guys, welcome back to Life of Education's podcast. Caroline and I again today. This time we've got Joe Vaughan back again to talk to us from Thank You Plant Medicine. And we have his two colleagues, Jonathan Glazer and David Grillet. Um, David's in Costa Rica. Jonathan, where are you hanging out? Costa Rica as well. You're also in Costa Rica. You're in London, Joe. Caroline's in Dubai. And I'm still in rainy Dublin. Um, so... <laughs> We wanted to just expand on the chat we had last time about the thank you plant medicine, the benefits of, of mushrooms. And so I'll, do is I'll throw it over to Joe and Joe can introduce the guys and then we can just talk a bit more about thank you plant medicine and how it got off the ground. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to give a, a huge shout out um, to, to, to John and Dave for the, you know, the amazing work that they, they've done in getting the whole thank you plant medicine, uh, you know, movement up and running. Um, you know, not much for me to say about the origins of it. I'll hand that over to the guys, and, and they, you know they can take you through how it came about, how it's developed, and, and how what kind of projects we're kind of looking at, kind of expanding and, and working on going forward. Cool. So, David, do you want to say hello and just tell us kind of a bit about the foundation? We spoke very, very briefly just beforehand. Sure. Hello. Hi, Keith. Hi, Caroline. Um, I'm Dave. I, I'm Canadian, but I live in Costa Rica. And uh, well, about a year and a half ago, I was invited to try uh, ayahuasca by my good friend, John, uh, in a time in my life of great uh, transformation. I had just closed down this big project I was working on. I was feeling quite sad. And uh, so I thought, well, this is a good, might be a good time to try it. And never before had any interest in it. Um, and the experience I had was... You know, you could have a whole podcast episode in itself about the kind of things I saw and learned. Uh, mainly, I saw how much light and love that I have inside myself, how much potential to give. And uh, basically, I started uh, trusting myself much more uh, after that day. And then uh, over the next few months, proceeded to uh, take every opportunity possible to drink more ayahuasca and continue learning about myself and shedding the, the burden of traumas and issues and stories and kind of like release them uh, and become lighter and happier. And John and I decided to go to the World Ayahuasca Conference in, uh, in June, in uh, yeah, June 2019 in Girona, Spain. And it was an extraordinary week that we spent there. And we went there wondering how we might be able to contribute to the community and learn and just meet all these interesting people. And on the last day of the conference, in a talk with a few uh, leaders like Rick Doblin, the founder of MAPS, which he's been uh, leading the, the, the bringing of psychedelics into the mainstream through MDMA trials in the United States. Uh, in, in this chat, this idea came up for a, a sort of a me too movement for psychedelics of everyone who had benefited expressing themselves in unison on social media to change the culture around plant medicines and psychedelics. And I, I kind of fearlessly voiced my suggestion to the group in that room. And everyone was like, wow, this is a really good idea. Yeah, this could, this could really help uh, the cause. And, uh, about an hour later, it was the closing talk uh, of, the, of the conference. It was a talk about ayahuasca and the future of society. And there we were in a, 
in an auditorium with like over a thousand people, different scientists and shamans and artists and researchers and leaders. And at the end of the talk, they said, uh, we have 10 minutes before the closing ceremony. Does anyone have a question for us? And I kind of gave a John a little elbow in the ribs and I said, uh, you know, now might be a good time to suggest this, you know, like a coming out day uh, idea now that we have this big crowd here. And he said, yeah, go for it, go for it. And I said, I don't know, this is probably not the right time. Let's develop the idea further. I don't know, I'm not sure. And he's like, dude, go, 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 go. It's like, okay. And I, I swear to you that like, in, in other situations, I would probably just opt to let my logical mind, you know, convince me to not do it and it's not the right time. And all these reasons were coming to me these, about why it wasn't the right time. But remember, in my first ceremony, what I got was a new confidence in myself and a new a kind of a calling to like follow my heart. And, you know, there's, there's some magic inside of me to share and, you know, go for it. So it just kind of flipped me out of the, out of the energy. Well, uh, I studied physics in university, so I think in energy wells, uh, so it burst me out of the energy well and I went for it and I went in front of the audience and grabbed the mic and kind of trembling. And I was like, you know, personally, I don't share on my Facebook about how much ayahuasca or psychedelics have helped me and helped me heal because I'm afraid of what people will think of me. But if everyone were to share their stories at the same time, I would feel willing to do it. And what do you, what do you say is, you know, are you guys, do you guys think this is a good idea? <clears throat> is there anyone who would be willing to join me eight months from now on February 20th in sharing our stories publicly? And if you're, if you think this is a good idea, I'll be standing over here and you can give me your contact information. And so I got an applause and to my surprise, people started kind of like flowing down uh, the audience and even getting some business cards thrown at me from the upper balconies and people saying like, this is a great idea. Like I've been working with the medicines for 13 years and I haven't even told my family and wow, this is, I was thinking of doing the same thing. What a great idea. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. So we left uh, the conference, John and I, with like a, a tangible mission of something that we could do to, to contribute. And it was basically a, a communication challenge of just bringing everyone from the mushroom uh, communities and the San Pedro and the ayahuasca and the cannabis community and get, giving, getting everyone to express their gratitude on the same day. And that, that's, that's how it all started. We published a video uh, asking for 35 volunteers and within a week we had over a hundred volunteers. So it, the idea was just validated that this is something people were re ready to do. That's awesome. That's almost like that, that is, it's the plant acting through you to give itself its own, its own reveal, giving you the power, the confidence to step up and then just have to have the release and the, let everybody know it's, it's there and it's, it's much more common. So what about you, John? How did you, how did you get suckered into this movement? <laughs> well, uh, thank you for uh, having me here, Caroline, Keith, and my friends, Joe and Dave. Uh, so they, they tell the story pretty accurately. Uh, I think for me personally, uh, entheogenic dance and psychedelics have been uh, 
uh, great help. I, I, my spiritual practice was Tibetan style meditation for many years. And uh, the Amazonian tradition came in into my world and into my practice and, and kind of took it a step further in terms of what I can do, where I can go, uh, how can I work with my own inner spaces. And uh, going to the World Ayahuasca Conference, it was uh, for me a way to look for how, where can I go and study actually. So I was looking for a, an academic program uh, within the conference that I can uh, further my study. I graduated from psychology. So I, I signed up for the World Ayahuasca Conference and I signed up for um, Perspectives on Psychedelics uh, Horizons in, in New York. And that's how I got there. But how I came out of there uh, was completely uh, changed my life because uh, with Dave's idea and us strategizing on it, we really had a tangible thing we could do that would uh, make a dent on what's happening right now in the world. And what's happening or what has been happening is that the direct experience of psychedelics and endogens uh, is bubbling up. People are having their experiences. They see that it's not dangerous, it's not addictive, and it's actually very beneficial. So, but there are organizations around the world who are working uh, uh, separately, and sometimes in Unision, but mostly separately on the missions. And what was missing is, uh, in a way, or the way we saw it, is an organization that connects everybody. And somehow this message of gratitude and healing connected us individually, but it also connected many organizations together to support one cause together on one day. And that's uh, where I, thought, I think we had something special to offer, which was let's do this globally and let's support locally uh, from the global perspective. So when we band together as uh, people that work with plant medicine and intelligence throughout the world, we have the capacity to support local initiatives. So, you know, the cream in Washington and the cream Oregon and a village in Peru uh, that has curanderos that, that now don't have funds uh, to support their families because of COVID. Uh, so there is a justification and importance for a global community to work together to further our cause and then bring our experiences, our direct experiences above ground through telling our stories uh, to family and friends and people in our closer closer circle and by that we destigmatize and we also make it more acceptable to work and practice with these modalities that's where i i come from right i i, I came from i was looking for an academic uh, course I came out with the global organizations and here we are you know uh, hanging out with good friends and 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 planning to do great things together. Yeah. And how did it go when you, uh, when you told your stories? Like, how was it received? Did it go the way you want? Was it better or was it worse? You know, how did you feel about telling the people closest to you? So, uh, I've been telling personally my family for quite a while. Uh, since my first experiences, I was never shy of saying, hey, this is, this is great, you know, and, and it's, it has great effect on me. But I had a, a circle of friends who didn't know about it. So when I posted on February 20th, I think actually it was February 24th because it took me some time. We were busy with the production of the coming out day. Uh, a lot of friends said, wow, this is amazing. And wow, I, I, I respect that, you know, and 
I got a lot of very positive comments as well. People coming to me and say, hey, John, do you want to go into business with me? Because I think this is the next big thing, you know? So these things happen as well, right? Uh, but it, you find out that people that love you, most of the time, when you express something that made you happier and better in life and you can actually show it, it actually shows in what you do, they're supportive of it, even if they don't understand it. Most of the time, I want to say. Um, so, uh, John, when we were off air, we were basically discussing that we wanted to dive into some of your experiences and how plant medicine changed the three of you. So if you guys don't mind, would you mind sharing those stories with us? Yeah, no, I don't mind going uh, going here. Um, just to you know, to go back to the previous question around how how did people respond to to our kind of our, just being open about the use of, of plant medicine? I mean, I I have spoken to a lot of people in the UK and and and, and sort of in my, from my previous experiences, and and generally I'm, I'm met with quite a lot of you know sort of ignorance and, and stigma. I don't mean ignorance in a in a pejorative sense, but literally people don't actually know and understand what these plant medicines are, what they're capable of, and, and how they should be used in a, in, a, in a safe and responsible way. Generally, it's kind of, you know, the perception is it, it, it has a sort of pejorative sort of, you know, connotation around, you know, people in fields dancing around, and I've got nothing against dancing around in a field, and, 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 uh, and the movement that the guys have created is it's fully inclusive. It's not about judging anyone. But I'm just sort of saying this is what the kind of the mainstream perception of of plant medicine usage is. It's it's kind of it's hippies, it's fields, it's wacky, and it's out there, and it's not for you know your average person. Meanwhile, quite happy to go to Glastonbury and uh, and you know and, and you know partake of kind of other other types of things. So there's a there's a sort of contradiction from my side in terms of the you know the the knowledge and the understanding, uh, and, and and what people are kind of you know showing and. In other areas, but my personal experience—I mean, I could, you know, there's, there's been a few, but I can, I can pick one in particular, which was my uh, my first ayahuasca experience. And for people who don't know what ayahuasca is, it's a, a combination of two plants which grow in the Amazon, which, when combined, um, are used for healing and not not just you know um, psych, psychiatric healing, but also physical healing as well. Um, it's part of the kind of, you know, the plant medicine cabinet of, of the Amazon, right? So you combine these, the vine and the, and the leaf together and you, and you have a, a brew called ayahuasca. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about ayahuasca. Um, been used for, you know, a very, very long time. I mean, there's, a, there's an anthropological debate about when it got, was starting to be used, but it's been, it's been used for a very, very long time um, in, in, the, in the Amazon region. So first experience of, of ayahuasca was... Um, was literally sitting in a in a in a maloca, which is a, a kind of a structure in, a, in, a, in an Amazonian setting in the middle of the Amazon, sitting in the dark, um, drinking some very bitter uh, and in, in some ways unpleasant brew, um, and sitting there feeling very very kind of you know excited, strange, but you know what's going to happen because you hear all these stories and you know there's 20 people in the room and it's and it's quite intense and there's things happening, but literally. Nothing happened at all. Um, I was sitting there and I was waiting and I was expecting the, you know, the cosmic, the cosmic stars and the rest of it and all the stuff you hear about. Nothing. Sat there in the dark, not kind of thinking, oh, you know, it hasn't worked. Give me, you know, I just was like, well, this is this is what what, what it is. Um, you know, I'll just wait and wait and see. And then 
we were very lucky in, in the place that we went. It's called the Temple of the Way of Light uh, in Peru. I mean, a really fantastic place. Uh, and in that particular ceremony, there were five, uh, five shaman. I think it was five. And they all came round and they sang uh, what's called an Icaro, which is a song of the plants, you know. So you have to sort of suspend your, your kind of, your scepticism a bit and, th and just go, and go with the kind of the belief system of the people, the Shipibo people, which is each plant has its own energy. Um, and each and each plant, you know, and there's a song of a plant. Each plant has, you know, each plant has a song, but there are many songs of the plants. So a shaman would come and sit in front of you in the dark uh, and, and, and sing a, a song of the plants to you, which sounds, you know, <laughs> maybe not for everyone. But, um, but what happened in that moment of, of literally nothing happening was that in that, in that moment and in that connection with that, with that shaman, I was able to, to be taken back to a place that kind of, you know, the, the fundamental kind of starting point of my, of my life. It was very, very strange. It was very, very mysterious. And that the, the song that was being sung to me was being sung to the to, to the baby of my, my my baby. You know, I was a, I was a tiny I was a tiny child, and I was taken back there, not in a in a in a literal you know tripping way, but in a in a way which I felt in a, in in the, in the actual experience itself that I was being sung to and nurtured and cared for by a universal energy and intelligence, which was literally might blowing my mind at, at that point you know because as I say it was very calm nothing was happening wasn't tripping wasn't being sick nothing was happening but I was being literally built you know, take, you know not so much taken apart me but but that that part of me that needed to be nurtured which perhaps wasn't nurtured in the way that it should have been was being nurtured by a kind of a universal and warm and and kind of you know I guess cosmic energy but through the medium of a of a song being sung to me in the dark in a mysterious language that I didn't understand, um, and in it, in it, you know, and that was the kind of you know the, the launch pad and building block for the kind of the next the next phase of my life. And and I'll report the benefits, which have been, you know, increased uh, happiness with with my own family. You know, being a better father, being a better husband, feeling like I'm you know just more in tune with with the world. And just generally experiencing benefits, which are you know almost incalculable, you know, because you know they don't exist on a spreadsheet. Happiness does not exist on a spreadsheet. Happiness is a, is a, you know is something that you feel and that you live every day, and that and that's what you share with your family and these kids and, and the people that are close to you. And 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 through the great work that these guys have done and bringing us all together, they kind of hopefully the wider world. And I'm not I'm not arrogant or naive in thinking I can change the world myself, but it's it's about having that energy and that passion for for wanting to to you know, make it available to people to be able to receive the same types of healings and benefits that I was able to do. Hopefully that wasn't too long. Mm -hmm. John, did you want to, David, do you want to add to that rather? Did you want to say anything there? Sure. I, I'd be happy to, to share a, a story. that's a little, a little similar. One of many, it's like, it's seriously so much, uh, so much has healed in me and benefited from these experiences. But one story that comes to mind is I've always been uh, very self-conscious of like when other people are looking at me and kind of like what, what other people will think of me. And I, I used to be like completely paralyzed at the idea of public speaking, for example, but even, you know, I've done some public speaking, but even more recently, what I've noticed is like, I go for a walk with my dog and like a car drives by and I just feel like a pang of self-consciousness of like, they're looking at me. Uh, what are they thinking? 
So, uh, so I've been just kind of wondering about this and just feeling like it's limiting me of, of being scared of what other people think of me. And in a, in a ceremony, as the medicine started to kick in strong and started trembling and having visions and different kind of carnival scenes and spirals and stuff, suddenly I was brought back to when I was five years old. I, uh, I had just moved from France to Canada and I, I started in, in grade one. I was uh, kind of a year younger than, than everyone. And I had no, no friends. And a lot of the kids in my class, they knew each other because they had done kindergarten together. So I walk in and I'm just like thinking like, I want to make some friends. How am I going to make some friends? And I, and I remembered in my little self, deciding that I'm going to try to be sensitive to what other people want to see. And that's going to be my strategy for making friends and just kind of like be attentive. What are people liking? What do they want to see? And so that, that became my strategy for getting along in the world and, and, and surviving socially is like being very sensitive to what other people want to see and just trying to fit in. And that became, became ingrained and calcified in, as my like modus operandi of socially of like, it's, the first thing is immediately thinking like, what does this person want to see or how are they seeing me right now? So of course, getting, getting a, a glimpse of that is, is powerful, but it doesn't, it's in, the, it's in how you process it afterwards and how you really make sense of it and apply it in your life that it can really make a difference. So I was mentioning this in the integration circle the next day and, and, uh, and the facilitator, this Mexican psychologist, it's really brilliant. She asked me about it and she said, okay, well, what are you going to do once now that you know this? And I said, well, I'm going to release this, this behavior or this pattern uh, once and for all. And she's like, maybe what you should do is like really be thankful to this behavior because it really helped you at that time and, and just say like, thank you behavior, you know, and thank you little David, you know, you did the best that you could. And this was a good strategy for you at that time to make your first friends, but you don't need it anymore. You know, you don't, it's limiting you now to always think that way. So anytime this comes up, because it's going to continue to flare up, just like thank yourself for the behavior that once served you, but you don't need it anymore. And this has really helped me. And I've gotten significantly less self-conscious and significantly less worrying what other people think. And of course, it's, it's a change that's only I can really perceive how it's affecting me, but it, it's, it's significant. That, that's awesome. I'll, I would be probably the only one in this group who's not done it. Okay. So the question that I would have for, for each of you is, before you go into something like this, you obviously have some idea that you're, you're open to the possibilities of what might happen, the information you might, you might un, unveil and the, the person you might be after it. But how far away from what you guys thought you were or hoped or like where your bias was, I might, this might tell me info about this or this might give me an, an understanding about that. How close or how, how far away was what you actually learned through this, through say your first uh, your first medicine or your first, what would you call your first dosage? How far away was the actual expectation to the result of your first session? Anybody jump on that? 
was it was ex it's just so much deeper um because people can you know you can you can read things and and books and you can read widely and you can intellectualize and you can and you can discuss but there's something i mean i've heard it described as in real time or or the lived experience there's something about forgiveness as a concept sort of you know understanding it intellectualizing it there's another there's another thing about actually feeling it in your in your in the core of your of yourself um and that's what and that's what these plants have, have done for me is that they've shown me all these you know beautiful concepts like you know forgiveness compassion reciprocity but you you, you kind of feel it in the very fiber of your being and that's not what i expected i expected a kind of a more of a you know you're, you're kind of tripping and it's all excitement or it's or it's scary or whatever but i didn't expect it to be so simple and the message to be so deep so it was, it was quite far away from from, you know, in a good way from, mm -hmm. from, from what I expected um, and that's where the, 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 the concept of the medicine comes in you know whereas even even before I went the first time I might have been thinking it's a bit of a lark or a bit of a you know something to do recreationally and that's when I realized the kind of the, the sacredness and the, and the you know the, the kind of depth of the experience um, after the first time so very different but in a good way. What about you John? Well it's it's interesting because I've I've had ex experienced uh, psychedelic states through meditative meditation practice for for a long while, but those spaces were not very visual. They were more physical, experiential. Uh, if you look at the mystical index, so they were more like you know converging with everything and uh, this illusion of the sensation of I, but they're not not very visual. And as I moved into uh, working with plants and also synthetics and that creates psychedelic states, I, I was mind blown with what's possible to do with our mind. Uh, so it was way above and beyond anything that I uh, experienced before. And what happened, the, the two practices converged and, and uh, I the benefits that you can get are way beyond what uh, is written out there. So for example, I was, uh, I couldn't sing in tune. Yeah, I'm, I always do music, piano, flutes, guitars, but I couldn't, I couldn't produce sound with my, with my voice. And through one experience, it was healed. And, and now I almost have perfect pitch. Uh, just through uh, one experience with plant medicine. And would I have expected it? No, I had no clue that that's what's going to happen, but that's what happened. And uh, this is just one experience and there are many others. So I, I look at it as, you know, like a treasure trove of what else can we get out of this? So what else can happen here? Uh, that's my perspective about it. It's, it's infinite in, 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 in possibilities. So. What about you, Caroline? What would you say to throw it at you over there? You're very quiet. <laughs> um, which is, what's your question here, Kate? Are you asking me about my experience with psychedelics or yeah. was my experience what I thought it would be? I mean, both. Let's do both. Let's throw both at you. Um, so do you know what? Actually, this is probably the first time that I've publicly um, 
admitted that I've, I've been working with plant medicine for a while, but look, the truth is I had a, a really, obviously, you know, Keith, a really severe rock climbing accident uh, five years ago now. And uh, when I first was introduced to plant medicine, I had heard a lot about it because it's a part of my heritage. So my heritage is South American. I know my dad used to do a lot of ayahuasca and, uh, and uh, it, it kind of been calling on me. And when the opportunity arose, I was in a really, really dark place. Like I had just survived this accident and I had no idea why I survived. I didn't know why I was alive. I didn't know um, what my purpose was. I didn't understand that. And, uh, and the first time I had plant medicine, I actually, the first few times I took ayahuasca, I actually fell asleep. Um, and later I was actually told that the plant sometimes works on you in different ways. So sometimes it doesn't give you those psychedelic trips. Sometimes it heals you in a different way. And for me, the first few times were it was healing parts of my body. Um, and I had just about a very brief five minutes in my first ceremony where I went into kind of like this purple space and I, um, I dove inside my body and I was swimming through this purple space and I was looking for my prana, for my life force. And when I was swimming around, I realized that I had none left, that, that everything that was energetically inside my body was exhausted in trying to keep me alive and in trying to sustain my life. And I had nothing left. Um, and that was the, the first ceremony and that, that psychedelic kind of visual moment was five minutes. And then I had my second ceremony, which was in Peru with, with Joe. Um, and uh, I fell asleep again and I was like, oh, I felt nothing. And everyone was explaining about these experiences. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. I had a great nap. <laughs> and then uh, ceremony two, um, I remember our facilitator had come and tapped me on the shoulder and he was like, you're going first. And I remember just being like shot with fear. And I was like, shit, I'm going first. And I walked up and I sat down and I, I drank the medicine. And by the time I got to my little bed, I was already in the land of Aya, which I like to call it. And everybody in the circle was, was literally just energy. And I could see this different realm. And uh, Mother Ayahuasca sat in front of me like this big ball of fire. And I asked her, because these are the special gifts that you have when you're there telepathically, um, why I didn't die and why I'd never seen her before. And she said to me that in all of the other ceremonies, I was too sick. Um, and so I was getting healed in a different way. And then she almost like she grabbed a match and she lit her own prana and lit me alive. And then I was just filled with like energy and I, I woke up. Um, and that was, that was, I had several other ceremonies that were extremely powerful. That was, that was the first one. And I just, I remember touching my body going, oh my God, like I was, I was alive and I needed to have a, a real sense of appreciation for that. Um, and it made me realize that death is very, permanent um and the life is very precious so that was something that i learned and saw and it was just an amazing experience and um then i had several other really amazing experiences as joe knows since uh he's been my spirit my spirit friend through this whole journey 
um, which is amazing. But um, just separate to this, John, I'd really like to hear about your experience as well, particularly because you're also a psychologist. Yeah, I, uh, from, from what direction would you like to hear about it? From, from what specific aspect would you like to hear about? There's so well, many ways to talk about it. I guess, I guess whatever comes to you, we've all been sharing uh, our experiences and how plant medicine has changed us or how we've healed or grown from the experience. Mm. Um, so I'm interested to hear, particularly because you have, you have a, a very clinical perspective and then also a very personal perspective. Okay. Uh, one, of them, one of my interests uh, interest are the neurobiology behind uh, our mystical experiences, if it's through meditation or any spiritual practice, but as well through entergens and psychedelics. And what really happened in the mind as uh, we go through those experiences? And uh, it, it interests me because it allows, to, allows myself to explain myself about uh, uh, what I'm going through as I'm going through it. So, for example, what's the correlates to, you know, fixing my pitch or what happened there where I solved uh, a year and a half of issues in my business through one meditation experience combined with one ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, the list goes on and on in terms of what happened to me uh, inside myself. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm, I'm really interesting, interested to, to understand uh, how that comes about on social level and, and why now, for example. Yeah, so there's all aspects that's, that, that kind of uh, tickle, my, tickle me in terms of uh, how we connect everything. And I'm, I'm going to talk about an experience that I had that is uh, personal but also more global. So what happened is, is that I'm, you know, I've, I've been following you and Tibetan style meditation and those aspects started to come into the West in the 60s and 70s had a lot of research on them and and now there are you know you have yoga studios everywhere right uh, entogenic plants uh, have been uh, in the legal realm in the 60s and 70s many in the 70s and they've been you know likely researched on until the beginning of the 2000s and now there's more research on it and I look at my personal experience working with yoga style and Tibetan style meditation connected to uh, how things are evolving in society and now going into entogenics and psychedelics. And what you see is that the Eastern tradition came into the West. Now it's mainstay in many, many places. And now the Amazonian traditions are coming into the West. And really uh, our story and, and the things that you're, you're passionate about is, you know, how can we make this world a better place? those traditions and those spirits in a way came from the east and are coming from the from the amazon amazonian areas to kind of bring us new uh, or usher to us new uh, ways of looking at ourselves so if we kind of put it together to my personal being in somehow i'm combining now you know long practice and tradition from the east long practice uh, not long but more more fairly actually fairly new practice from uh, amazonian traditions and what i'm looking to do is channel that knowledge and information to benefit whomever is around me and uh, uh, you know on a, on a greater scale as much as i can so 
I believe that our uh, personal healings uh, is beneficial when we use it to service others and to open ourselves to help others and lift others up. So in, in a sense, everything I'm doing to myself biographically is okay, but how am I showing up and what am I doing in the world? I think it's a, it's a bigger question. And when we find out that we can collaborate with each other, yeah, we are here collaborating, we are talking, we are creating a space together. Uh, and we don't know each other, but we're collaborating still and, and we, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are supporting a certain mission. Then the real gist of it comes in, you know, because what the plants are telling us, in, and many people have this experience, is that collaboration instead of competition, support each other instead of fight with each other, uh, create greater love, greater connectedness, greater coherence uh, on a global scale, not only on the personal level. And uh, many people have this drive, and that's why we have, you know, almost 13,000 people on the Facebook group. Uh, from all over the world, from 80 countries, because many of us have this story, same story as you had, as I had, as Joe had, as Dave had, uh, of healing. And I was okay, this is actually can solve a lot of issues we have in the world today. So what I want to show is that my personal story is important, but really our, our social, our common story uh, is, is gigantic. And that's why we are so passionate about it. Because we don't have dogma, we don't, we don't subscribe to specific religion. It's, it's just about healing, and about, about transformation and gratitude and making the world a better place. And one last thing is that many people realize when they go to those experiences is that we're actually flying on a spaceship up in space around the sun, towards somewhere infinity. in the galaxy. We have no clue what's going on. There are another 200 billion stars just in our Milky Way, another trillion planets in our Milky Way. And we have no idea where we came from and we have no idea where we're going to, you know? But realizing that little fact is extremely crucial to, to kind of, okay, yeah, now, now I have a different perspective about what's going on around me or just my little flat where I live, you know? That's yeah. what I think that's, that's also very important, anyways. I yeah, that's awesome. I totally agree with that. That's just like we're on a spaceship flying towards infinity for infinity and who knows when the infinity will be something else. Um, David, I know you have to, you're under a little bit of time pressure, so I just want to swing a question to you. If you could click your fingers right now and have the world see plant medicine the way you want it to see it, how would that look? If you could just go three, two, one, go, how would things look? Um, it, in, in my ideal world, <clears throat> uh, plant medicine would be mandatory <laughs> for anyone taking on any kind of leadership position because in, as John said, uh, these medicines, uh, create a much greater sensitivity to the real order of things, the sacredness of all living things, uh, the importance of collaboration versus competition and it, when, when, when you're in a leadership role in a company, you, can, you, you have a lot of power over people's lives and about how you know, your company is going to utilize resources and about what, kind of, what, what service you're going to offer to the world. So I would like to see all leaders uh, mandatorily drinking uh, plant medicine, uh, both political leaders and business leaders. 
and I think I think this would I think this would really change the world. And ideally, this would be combined with a practice like meditation, because because the the plant psychedelic plant medicine experience is a one time thing, you know, once in a while, but it's it's very fleeting. Whereas the meditation is the daily tool to really stay grounded and you know and 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 uh experience on a daily basis the connectedness with all things and i think they're they're so complementary and uh you know in the the yoga masters of india they say like oh we don't we don't really need ayahuasca we don't really need plant medicine we we got our tools and the amazon uh leaders there's like ah yoga we don't we don't really need yoga but the marriage of these two of these two ancient schools of wisdom i think would be like the flowering of of humanity so that's that's my dream that's right that's awesome yeah well you got caroline does a little bit of yoga she's doing a bit of medicine what else you could be the you could be the spearhead for all this caroline Sorry, Joe, what were you saying? I think, I think that the point is, is about integration. I think, you know, the process is, you know, screening um, because these are very deep and, and intense experiences. So they shouldn't be entered into lightly. Um, the, the, obviously, the medicine practice itself. But then the integration part is, the, is, the, is, is such an important part, which maybe doesn't get the attention currently it needs. Um, and that's possibly a function of the fact it's still very underground. And, and despite the fact that you know, we know hundreds of thousands of people that are involved, it's still a relatively small amount of people we're talking about. Um, and so it's still very underground. Uh, and so, you know, as, as, it, as, as the momentum grows, there's been more people who are able to kind of, you know, show them show up as, as facilitators in terms of integration. Um, people who've had experiences, training courses, you know, kind of more kind of, you know, governing, potentially governing bodies, although people, some people kind of say, hold on, we don't want it to be too structured and too, and too formalized. So there's still lots of discussions around, you know, how it's actually going to play out. But, but yeah, I mean, integration uh, and, and support is such an important part of it. Uh, and and in, indeed integrating with other practices like, you know, like yoga, breath work, you know, cold water, ice swimming you know anything that you know kind of gets you into a, a kind of a, a more natural um you know kind of environment and more natural state interacting with plants and nature um can only can only be a, a positive thing well, i was in the ocean in dublin in the other day and it wasn't a very relaxing place it was yeah. so cold <laughs> well no i totally understand your point um david is there anything else you want to add before you have to shoot off um no, I want to say thank you so much for having us here today. And uh, I loved uh, the previous episode uh, y'all did with Joe. And it's, I'm, I'm touched by your, by your support for Thank You Plant Medicine. And, uh, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, uh, keep watching your, your show. And I want to invite the listeners to check out our Facebook group, uh, Thank You Plant Medicine Community. It's a kind of a gathering place for all lovers of, of, of plant medicine and psychedelics, and that's on Facebook. So with that, I'll, I'll drop off and uh, wishing you guys a fantastic day. Cool. Thanks Cheers, for having Dave. me. Nice, nice to chat to you, mate. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. See ya. Bye, Dave. Yeah, because Dave just had to shoot off there. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Caroline? Is there any other way, anything else we want to talk about? No, Joe, I really wanted to kind of uh, 
to agree with what you said about about the integration process. And you're right, I definitely think it's because it's very much underground still, all of the plant medicine practice. But to be able to, and I guess one of the benefits of making, shining the light on this is to be able to bring it out of the underground and to be able to help people understand the, the process of it. Because there's one thing going into the jungle and, and you have this amazing experience and then you fly back home and you have all of these lessons that you've learned and it's about, well, how do I, how do I take this lesson and then integrate it and weave it into my normal life so that it does make me a more compassionate person, a better person, it, it changes who I am. And in the process of doing that, obviously changes the, the people around you. Um, but that in itself definitely gets lost a little bit. Um, and so it's amazing to see a group like you guys, thank you, Plant Medicine, who's trying to shine some light on that and also bring it to the surface and, and discussing integration practices. And I definitely think uh, meditation is one of those for sure. I don't know, John, do you have anything to say about, about integration? Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to echo that integration is very important. It's actually like a metaphor that I like to use is that, you know, when you go into a ceremony space or you go into your experience, you, can, you have like this bucket and you're, you know, standing under a waterfall of information and knowledge. And, you know, you put the bucket out, you take the bucket out, you go home, but you only stay with the bucket out of all the, all the beautiful things you see and, and experience. And having distance uh, is extremely important. Now, we need, we need to understand that over the last 40, 50 years, there was an underground current of people that kept the practices alive and created a lot of organizations, beautiful organizations that are out there. That dedicate to different types of or aspects of psychedelics and entogenic plants if it's safety and harm reduction and integration and specifically on our group there's many 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 uh, highly qualified psychiatrists psychologists people that dedicate just for the integration part or integration and preparation so it's preparation the the, the experience itself and then integration and integration can take sometimes years so I had, a, after the, my first endogenic experience, I had two years that I did not have another endogenic psychedelic experience just because it took me so long to integrate it and to kind of put it back into and, and, and kind of make sense out of it. So I think that's, uh, uh, I, I want to say about integration, it's, not a, it's sometimes not a day or two, sometimes it can be a month, sometimes it can be half a year, sometimes it can be a few years, and that's fine. Uh, and people need to be uh, respectful to their own process and not compare with other people's process uh, because you can go on the other side and, and, and some people kind of you know do it too often I'd say and and then they get lost in in in, in the waterfall they kind of get drowned by the by the information that comes to them so it's a uh, it's a delicate delicate matter and and really most of the work is in the integration it's it. So yeah, the, 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 the experience itself is very important, but what's more important is what happens afterwards in my life. And is my life better off or my life is less, uh, less happy, you know? So I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how integration and, and really putting to practice what you learn is, is the actually important part. It's like 1% theory, 99% practice. You have it in yoga as well. Uh, so your words about integration. 
Just this week, there was another article in a, in a mainstream newspaper in the UK, The Guardian, uh, and it was around uh, the treatment of uh, ex-service uh, service people, uh, people from the military who are returning from, you know, theatres of conflict uh, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, PTSD, for example, uh, and, the, and the potential kind of, you know, healing benefits of, of, of uh, you know, psilocybin in this case. So... What you're seeing is, is, that, is, is, is it kind of unfolds and, and the momentum gathers, it's, it's reaching into areas which you might previously have not have expected, you know. You would not have thought maybe, you know, 10 or so years ago that a, a returning serviceman, service person from Afghanistan or, or Iraq or wherever would be, would be looking at working with magic mushrooms, of all things. People would have thought you were, yeah. you were crazy, but this is, this is actually part of a mainstream discussion now. So it just shows you what, you know, what, what, what you know, what kind of momentum is being generated. Um, and, as, and as John said, you know, the, the, the principle of, of the group is to, is to kind of join as many different groups as possible because of the strength in, in numbers, you know, the stronger the network, the more chance you have of, of creating something sustainable uh, for the longer term. Yeah, we were talking just before very briefly. I don't know, I might've got my wires crossed, but it's gone to the ballot now in November. I thought it was Colorado, but I think you guys just mentioned it might've been Oregon as well. But that's a massive thing, isn't it? That medical psilocybin is going to be a, you know, no longer outlawed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and DC a few days ago in Washington, they got enough signatures to go to, for the cream nature. A friend of ours, uh, a few friends of us were organizing it in Washington, DC. So you see, uh, it's kind of, the science is uh, very uh, difficult to, uh, to challenge uh, the science, the beneficial aspects of it. And this is why it's actually uh, gaining grounds. Uh, and that's going to be all over the world. It's not just in, uh, not just in the US. Actually, in, in many countries, it's legal. And uh, heralded as national uh, heritage. Uh, if you look at Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, uh, Gabon, and there are different countries where uh, Mexico for psilocybin. The uh, Netherlands. Netherlands for travelers and psilocybin. So it's uh, when when we when we think of our own countries, I think the right perspective is that, in my my opinion, is that you know the countries where it's illegal, they're actually backward. They're actually not more advanced than the country where these practices are legal, uh, and that's how I perceive it. And mainly because science is always coming from the back. So if you look at science, science is 100 years behind direct experience because it just takes so long to do the science and the double-blind trials and clinical trials and then uh, to repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them until you're sure that the results are, are correct. And uh, to get the MDMA through the FDA in the U.S., it took 40 years of effort and it's still uh, almost there. So when we science protect us you know for for making mistakes but it's also a very slow machine to move uh, compared to direct experience and and i i i want to say that science is important but we really need to give space to direct experience and to subjective experience of people uh, because it's almost unequivocal the benefits it has for many many illnesses that people have it's a depression suicidal thoughts uh, you know end of life care and, and many other aspects. And 
and in trauma, it's not only helps in, in processing emotional memories that relate to trauma, it also creates neurogenesis in your brain. So ayahuasca, psilocybin, in vitro, are proven to help out with a neurogenesis or promote neurogenesis, which is basically the creation of new accents, but also the migration of accents within your brain to areas where uh, you, need, uh, you need those. So it's not only uh, emotional healing, it's also create physical healing on the brain level, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting to look at. Yeah, so powerful, isn't it? I think it's one of these things where it, it comes down to kind of public opinion, doesn't it? Like, does a politician want to put this to a ballot to upset the most amount of people and lose this place, even though if it's beneficial? So you almost have to win the majority. With, with, and this is the essentially one of the steps, isn't it? Just to get people talking about it, spread the word, allow it just sit into people's subconscious, let them hear more and more about it. And then slowly but surely when it pops up on the ballot in their local town or in their whatever, in their country, it's not such a scary revolution against that potential, you know? So this is one of the things you guys are doing. is so fantastic that you're just spreading the word and, and trying to get the message to people that there is legitimate science out there that's showing the positive benefits of this. And it could be, because it could be you one day, it could be me, could walk outside, be in an accident, you know, could undergo some sort of brain trauma. And then these are the things that you, or, or, your, or your parents or somebody in your family, you know, and these are the things you, all of a sudden it's working in one country, but it's not allowed in your country. You think, what, you know, what are the options? What, what do we do? That's a tough place to be in. Yeah, We're one of our first volunteers, she was, uh... She had bulimia and anorexia for many years and, and, and alcohol addiction and drug addiction. And she was in the UK. She went into a rehab, I think two or three times at the cost of a hundred thousand pounds or 200,000 pounds, extremely expensive with no result, you know, talk therapy, cognitive therapy, uh, you know, any, 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 any therapy that's now available in, 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 psych, in psychology and psychiatry and, and nothing really worked. And if you look at the suicidal rates of, of, of people that suffer from anorexia is, is, is gigantic. It's maybe one of the worst diseases to have. And she couldn't get treatment in the, in the UK. And, and she eventually, as the last resort, uh, found a clinic in Mexico to treat her with ibogaine, uh, followed by working with ayahuasca. And it was, if I'm not mistaken, $10,000 compared, compared to pounds. And it worked for her, you know, it's, and, it, and, and that kind of care was not available in her home country. And it was a last resort. Uh, now the science shows that these treatments are very effect effective with addictions and very effective with emotional issues and, 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 and suffering. But, you know, the, what, the, the countries that regard themselves as very advanced are actually backward in, in some ways, you know, and uh greater awareness is going to create uh, as you say greater greater susceptibility to those ideas and those practices that's what we're about yeah a really good point about the, about the cost of uh you know currently very prohibited the cost of 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 uh you know getting hold of this kind of treatment so you know and and it's precisely in the communities you know particularly with you know recent developments with you know global pandemic and whatnot the, the, the communities that are suffering the most from, from mental health crises, uh, you know, addiction, dysfunctional behavior, uh, and, and that's 
you know, you can speculate that's only going to get worse as, as, as we kind of go through this kind of pandemic. But the communities that are most kind of susceptible to these issues are the, often the poorest communities. So it seems like a, a bit of a scandal, if I'm honest, if, it's, if, it, if it requires someone to have the means to have, you know, I guess, you know, to go to Peru for a series of ceremonies, you can maybe do it for maybe two or three thousand pounds. But two or three thousand pounds is very, is a lot of money. Uh, for people in these communities who would who would you know potentially you know benefit you know greatly from it, so I think the kind of the, the sort of democratization of it is is a, is a is a very important sort of pathway for us and certainly from my from my side thinking how how can we provide opportunity i mean because it 's not for everyone let 's say it 's not you know it, it's never it 's not going to be mandatory but the opportunity it 's about demo, democratizing the opportunity so people have have you know even people on limited means, should it be subsidised via via a kind of a single payer healthcare system? I mean, these are big questions, but these are the questions we have to ask because at the moment we seem very much in a in a kind of a, a rut of we know there's a kind of escalating crisis of addiction, we know there's an escalating crisis of mental health, particularly among young people. We know there's a, there's a you know time bomb of, of of old age and, and and of potential kind of mental health issues for for elderly people, but no one's coming up with anything, you know. There's a, there's a kind of a ready-made potential solution here. It's ready-made and it grows in the ground. It's not even anything we have to kind of, you know, make up. There's not we're not working round the clock on a vaccine here. These things grow in the ground. You know, these are these are these are, this is the natural world we're talking about. So it seems just a kind of a, you know, a, you know, very frustrating, very frustrating, but at the same time just very kind of, you know, unwise. You know, and, it's, and you know, trying to tap into these ancient wisdoms you know, to kind of just at least give ourselves the opportunity to kind of, you know, to move forward. And as, you know, as John said previously, we just want to try and make, you know, make more connections, be less competitive, work together. There's enough of us now. And as a, as a famous person said a long time ago, there is enough to go around. You know, it's only the way that we're structured that means that there isn't. Hmm. Yeah, it's probably only a matter of time, isn't it? It's just a case of when, you know, you like once you start to push the needle, gain some momentum, push it harder, and then it eventually tips. And I mean, if you see what happens with the cannabis in, in the States, you know, once it went legal in, the, in one or two spots, then it just became unavoidably beneficial to people for all sorts of conditions. And then it's okay, well, let's do it. Let's, and then you just got to worry about the, the capitalists not getting their hands on it and turning it into something, you know, something unthinkable. A pill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of the challenges with uh, with uh, psychedelics in general is that because they're not addictive and they're not very uh, attractive. It's a good business model, yeah, for the for exactly. big pharma, yeah. And, and as well as they actually do solve issues, so you don't need to deal with those issues again. So repetitive clients are not very common. You might come back to to deal with other things, but usually once you solve an issue, it's it's solved. Uh, and it's very inexpensive if you look at that, uh, you know, usually, you know, if you talk about psilocybin, it grows in nature. Uh, if we talk about, you know, LSD that is used for, you know, cluster headaches or can work on depression and people microdose it, it's extremely inexpensive. Uh, so the financial model around it is not so much in patenting it in, in production, but rather in services. And that's... Uh, a little, a little bit more complicated because it's exactly the opposite model of what uh, big firms yeah. get a patent for 20 years and then they 
they, they, they sell it as much as they can and, and they want to hook people on, on yeah. their, on their, on their uh, pills, right? So it's really challenging uh, for people on how to bring it to market and how to make it available. Uh, one of the, you know, many people just do it pro bono. Many people believe in it and, and some companies like USONA, which is a company out of the US that is producing uh, psilocybin, uh, FDA grade psilocybin. It's pretty much for benefit corporation rather than for profit. Um, so you see this new uh, financial models coming up and, and people within the community are looking to see, okay, how are we going to do that in a way that is actually protecting nature, protect, protecting indigenous knowledge and cause and beneficial for the, for the planet uh, without all those, you know, uh, ugly things that, you know, uh, ruthless capitalism brings in. And this is part of the discussion uh, within the, the global community of uh, psychedelics and endogenic plants is how to do it. Uh, but the future seems pretty bright because uh, now we know that there are a lot of super smart people that are part of this community. And you have engineers, you have politicians, you have lawyers, you have architects, you have web developers, you have any, any uh, people from all walks of life. And, and that's very encouraging because people are gathering together and doing small projects together. And it's beautiful to see that happening uh, organically. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want to give the guys listening a shout out of where they can catch both of you guys and where they can follow your stuff online or, or what might be a good resource for them if they're just tapping into this subject for the first time, instead of talking about when, what their experience of it is, where could they learn more about the benefits of it? Like, is there resources anywhere that would be useful? Yeah. So, uh, there are many organizations out there that are, uh, uh, have ex ex very good information. For example, maps.org, M-A-P-S.org, uh, is an organization out, the, out of the U.S. Uh, that you can go to. Icears.org, I-C-E-E-R-S. They are out of Spain. Uh, they specialize in uh, plant medicine, ayahuasca. They have some research on iboga. The Beckley Foundation in the U.K., uh, is a great resource as well uh, to, to check out. Uh, you can look at what the Imperial College of London uh, Department on Psychedelics is doing research on. It's also uh, very advanced. John Hopkins has a new Center for Psychedelics research. So the list goes on and on. Yeah, but cool. uh, you got the gist of it. And then where can people catch up with the uh, Thank You Plant Medicine stuff? Yeah, so uh, on Facebook, Thank You Plant Medicine. Uh, on the community page, thank you, Plant, thank you Plant Medicine community. On our website, www.thankyouplantmedicine.com. Uh, and send us a message, get involved. We're also on Instagram, Thank You Plant Medicine. Uh, and, and yeah, join the community. Ask the questions. So we have a community with right now almost 13,000 people. Anybody asking any question about any aspect of antigenics and psychedelics immediately gets about 50 to 100 responses and, and it makes sense. So join the conversation. The, ambi the ambition is to, is to you know, work with the, you know, the, the great people past, you know, past, present and future who you know, br brought us to this point of the movement is to, is to make more connections and to make more links and to grow the mainstream, um, you know, dialogue and to kind of try and break down the stigma uh, that currently exists. So it's a, it's a, it's a long, it's, it's, a, it's a long process. Um, but I guess, you know, 
the, the common theme for people who are kind of in, involved in the movement is that it's once it's once it's part of you, there's almost there's almost like no going back. You know, it's not you know you can't kind of you can't work, wind the clock back to a kind of pre, you know, pre-experienced days because things are just are just so fundamentally different. Um, and yeah, so it's about yeah moving forward. We're really looking to grow and build uh, and just and just keep the movement moving forward. Awesome. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck. And like I said, anything else we can help with, Caroline and I, let us know. Is there anything you want to add, Caroline? Sorry, I was just unmuting myself. No, I just wanted to say uh, thank you guys for, for taking the time to, to speak to us. And it's obviously it's been extremely valuable in my life. So as um, any, any way that we can help share that along, then I'm in. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, guys. And we encourage anyone listening to go check them out. And uh, we'll link to some of that stuff you mentioned in the show notes below so people can check it out there. Mm -hmm. So cool. Thanks very much, guys. Have a lovely rest thanks, of your guys. day. Amazing. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.